Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Dog Random Show with your host, Big Dog. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Big Dog Random Show. I got a special guest. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself, sir? Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, this is uh, Luke Gross from Researcher for quite a few years. I'm in Northeast Texas, up around the Hawkins area, or in Hawkins, to be exact, and about a mile from the Sabine River. And we know what happens on the Sabine River. There's a lot of activity along the Sabine River. I've heard some stories. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stories, and I, I had a sighting. I guess it was in two. It was in 2010, right there at uh, Minneola Nature Reserve, and uh, that the area is still active. So, is is that your first one? No, no, my first one happened in 1984, when that was about 12 feet away. Ooh, uh, I was I was actually I'd come in from Garland, Texas. I was visiting my mom just outside of Greenville, Texas. And uh, we'd, we'd come out on the weekend, spend the weekend and visit and stuff and shoot. Uh, my wife and daughter had went to bed and I was sitting up with my mom. We was watching TV. It was in November, but it wasn't a very cold November. And uh, we had the front, she lived in a mobile home. We had the door open. Then we had the storm door, the glass storm door. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was sitting on the floor next to her and she was sitting in her recliner and she just kind of reached down and tapped me on my shoulder. She said, do you see that? And I looked up, she kind of pointed toward the front door and I looked and no sooner than I did that, this thing steps up towards the front door and it just stops. It blocks out the whole door. Uh, you couldn't see his face because his head was above the door mm. and it kind of rocked and then turned and took a step off the front porch and that was it and after a while i figured out what happened my mom had 15 cats and that's where she fed her cats at was on her front porch and uh this bigfoot was out there eating the cat food that's the only thing i could figure either was that or was looking to catch a cat but uh needless to say i got rug burns on my butt from scooting backwards yeah when I seen it, it's, it, it frightened me, it threw me into a tailspin because I've, I've done a lot of hiking, a lot of backpacking, Arizona, Mexico, and uh, I really thought I'd seen everything until I seen this thing, and uh, it blew my mind. Oh and, man, that's that's spooky, man. I mean, did it? Did was there a smell or? No, nope, it didn't smell anything. Of course, there, the front porch was open, so the wind probably blew any odor away. But uh, I waited about five minutes. I did go open the front door and look uh, after about five minutes. Uh, but I kept I kept that sighting pretty close to home. I didn't tell anybody. Uh, I told you know family members, but I didn't want to be laughed at and ridiculed and everything like that. And so I guess I kept it quiet for about twenty years, fifteen or twenty years. I didn't tell anybody. And uh, had one brother. He laughed. Oh, you didn't see nothing like that. And I said, well, you must be saying my mom, our mama is lying then, <laughs> which wasn't, wasn't a good thing. So, so was there any cats that ever came up missing or? Oh yeah. There was cats that came up missing all the time and we'd find their heads in the, in this pasture next door. 
And my mom would say, well, this cat's missing. Let's see if we can find her. So I'd go with my kids and we'd go looking and you'd find cats' bodies and, and their heads and skulls, you know, from older kills. Either, either it was Bigfoot that was doing it or it was coyotes that was doing it. Because there was a lot of coyotes there. Yeah, yeah, coyotes, they're, they're quick to make a meal out of something like that. Yeah, a cat, a skunk, a, a smaller dog, sometimes even a bigger dog. They'll, they like like eating, so. Now, were, the, were these like stray cats or? No, these were cats that hung around her house, you know. They were outside cats. They didn't come inside, but they helped keep the mice down and stuff because it's out in the country. So Yeah, the snakes and everything keep them in check. Yep, yep, a lot of that. But, you know, this is an area, and if you hear, you know, of course, you think Sasquatch or Bigfoot, you say, you say oh, that would be the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. uh, you know, somewhere in Oregon, Washington, someplace like that. And personally, I never would have thought that anything that big or uh, that unknown would exist in the state of Texas. But I was wrong, and uh, really, really wrong. But it, it's 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 something that affected me. It changed my life. It really did. I thought I had seen everything and heard everything uh, as far as wildlife goes. Because yeah. even when I was a kid in school, I would go out and make a blind by a uh, a reservoir, and I would document all the wildlife that would come into this reservoir. And this was in Arizona. And uh, the monsoon would come and the rain would come. The ducks would fly in and I'd draw the ducks and look them up and try and find out what they were, what species they were. And uh, I, I was really involved with wildlife all, all the way up through high school. And uh, I excelled in science and earth science, so on and so forth. But uh, this was something that set me back. I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying, what the heck is going on here? This isn't supposed to be here. I understand. It was. I mean, it just it just uh, rocks your world. You know, you're like, what else is out there? Or you know, uh-huh. this isn't supposed to be real. You you know, you're always told that monsters aren't real, and uh-huh. surprise. Yeah, surprise. You know, it's like my grandma. She always my grandma was from up in Oklahoma, and she would tell me, "Don't you go outside." So the, the the booger man's going to get you. And, you know, where did that come from? Right. Uh, and, and all kinds of other things, you know, you the monster's going to get you or whatever. Well, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Look at the, look at the native Americans. They had, uh, all, all the tales they tell and it's passed down mm-hmm. uh, generation through generation. You know, it, it, it started somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I could I could say a lot, and I've, I've watched a lot of documentaries on on Bigfoot or Sasquatch, whatever you want to call them. And uh, you know, I think I think sometimes they miss the mark. Uh, as far as I'm, I'm not <laughs> the older I've gotten, the more grumpy I've gotten. I'm kind of like Rene DeHendon was. <laughs> uh, I, I see people out there researching, and you know, it's like, well, man. Why are you doing it that way? And then I, I asked her, I said, well, do you have anything new? Have you discovered anything new? No, no, okay. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. want to talk to you. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been following the subject for a while, and it seemed for these last couple of years, it's just kind of, you know, there's really nothing new. Uh-huh. And, well, I, I think that what's happened is that we've had researchers, people have been researching these, these creatures for a long time now, and they can't quite put their thumb on what they are. Uh, I've, I've done some things uh, myself and, and several others. We did the uh, syllabic study, the Sasquatch syllabic study. And at first, you know, I was seeing these branches and stuff lay out along the trails in areas that no humans were going into. We were, I'm talking, we were miles in to these areas mm-hmm. with no human traffic at all. And I was finding these branches on the ground. And I was photographing them, you know, I said, well, that's kind of weird. And uh, we'll come to find out uh, people were finding the same things across the country, across North America, you know, from Canada to Carolina, just across the country. And uh, we formed this group and started a study and learned quite a bit. Unfortunately, we never, never learned what they were saying because there was over 143 different symbols that they use. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I personally don't think that they're, uh, they're an ape. They're too smart for that. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of different things and and I don't want to be called a kook. Uh, I'm not on the woo side by no means you're flesh and blood in, in my mind. I've never encountered, mental telepathy or anything like that cloaking so flesh and blood have you ever been, have you ever been zapped by infrasound? yes i have been zapped before and i was in an area up by cooper lake uh, there was a lady that lived there and she uh told my wife at the time that uh she was hearing some weird sounds and being followed when she go out to fear horses and her dogs something was following her in the tree line and i told my wife i said okay well just set up a meeting with her i'd like to talk to her and i had several different recordings and uh and i told we set up a meeting and i took the recordings and i played them i said when you hear a sound that you've heard come out of these woods just say okay that's it and i played the sounds and all of a sudden she goes, that's the sound. I said, well, I think you have a Sasquatch here. Hmm. And uh, it started. Uh, we researched that area for two years. But uh, it was uh, my son and about three others. She had a she had a horse stable, and she had a little apartment above the horse stable and a balcony. Well, we would set up on the balcony, set our equipment up, our recorders, and uh, record. Well, I heard something across the road that was in front of this horse stable. And I said, well, I'm going to go down. I'm going to check it out. And I grabbed my shotgun and downstairs I went and started walking down this road. And I was walking down the road. I got to, there was a culvert there. It was a big one. And as soon as I stepped in the creek, the creek there, and as soon as I stepped, started stepping across that culvert, it was like somebody threw a wet, warm blanket over me, and I just stopped. I couldn't go anywhere. 
And as soon as that happened, something huge took off that was in the creek bottom there. And it was just tearing stuff up as it took off. And I just turned around and back I went. And then uh, uh, there was a, another time too that that happened. I was walking up a road and couldn't go any further. It's like, nope, we've got to go back. And that's happened several times, even in the research and wonder. We was there for seven years, and sometimes you, everybody reacts at the same time without saying anything. You know, like we got to go, we got to go up in their uh, research stand, mm-hmm. and uh, that. That's happened about three times. Everybody gets chills at the same time, goosebumps at the same time. And something's causing this, and I don't think everybody is is saying, you know, getting spooked all at the same time because you're not hearing anything. Yeah. So, so something's happening. Is it infrasound? I'm not sure, but uh, it's very possible because a lot of their, their vocalizations can be very deep. And, of course, we have the tigers that use infrasound that can sometimes freeze their prey in its tracks. So, who knows? Yeah. But I have been to that before. Yeah, that's crazy. That's that's really uh, spooky when you feel like you can't control what's going on. It is. It's very, it's like I can't stay here, you know. And, uh, a lot, you know, I don't get... I don't get super scared to work to the point where I'm, I'm so oh man, blah, 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 blah. I'm just crazy. I can't, can't do anything. I'm usually pretty level headed and I try and analyze everything that's going on. Uh, if we're having some kind of an aggressive encounter, mm-hmm. or, which happened several times, I think one of the best times was in, uh, Hallsville, Texas. And you may have already heard this story, but, uh, there were several of us that went to, uh, Longview to a paranormal conference and uh, the guy leading it up was Rick Wilson and he said hey come come talk about Bigfoot and so me and several of us Bob Dominguez uh, Billy Simmons and Tim Clay and uh, a few others we all went out there and showed cast and and had a good time at the conference and then Rick Wilson he said hey I want to uh, let's go out to this graveyard the cemetery and I'm going to uh, do some EVP work out there. So we're, if we're driving out in this, it's an old slave cemetery and it's out in the middle of nowhere. And so we're driving and it's, you know, the, the woods, tree lines around the roads. And my wife, she's sitting there telling me, now, if we have a Bigfoot encounter out here, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I can't guarantee that. And uh, that we won't because it was perfect habitat. And, so everybody pulls up and uh, Rick, he gets out and he gets his recorder and he's, he starts going around. And me and uh, Billy and my wife, we walk towards, the, I guess it would be the southwest corner of the cemetery. And this is maybe one of those zap things we was talking about earlier. Uh, I told him, I said, something feel right here. And we all agreed that something's not right. And uh, we're feeling something different. And so we walked back towards Rick, which was pretty close to the center of the cemetery. And uh, all of a sudden, this howl comes from the northwest of us. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, not a wolf, not a coyote. So I tell everybody, I say, hey, 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 come here. Has anybody ever heard this vocalization before? 
And they say, I've never heard it's not a coyote, it's not a wolf. And so I do an alcohol, a, a barred alcohol, which normally I don't do, but in this case I did, and got a response back. And I'm sitting there, okay, let's take this to the next level. So I walk up to this oak tree that's in the middle of the cemetery, pretty close to the middle of the cemetery, and they had trimmed some branches off of it. And so I picked up one of these branches, and I hit this tree three times with uh, one-second intervals in between each knock. And after the third knock, all hell broke loose. There was roars, a roar coming from the northwest of us, another one come from behind us in the creek bottom, and then here comes the rocks. They start throwing rocks at us, and this is all from the tree line. And uh, they'll stop for a minute, then you hear one boom, hit the ground, and Billy would say, rock, rock. And uh, then my wife, she's just thinking she's going to be smart, and she starts walking towards the creek where they're at. And I told her, I told her, you need to get your ass over here because you're going to get hurt. I said, they don't want us here. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, a few of them had to go to the restroom, so they walked up the road. And way down at the ro- end of the road, there's a light. <clears throat> and the ones that went to the restroom said they seen something cross the road, just the silhouette of something crossing the road. And so they come back, and then all of a sudden this truck comes flying down this road right by the cemetery, and you hear it hit its brakes. And just as it gets over, to, over the road where the, the creek is, you hear, boom, it hits something. And it's there for maybe 10 seconds, and it backs up and then floors it, and takes off forward, uh, straight again. And probably 10, maybe 15 minutes later, uh, the sheriff's department shows up along with a game warden. Oh, man. And uh, needless to say, there was a lot of people that was terrified that night. I know uh, one of the girls was catatonic uh, that was there. And uh, another one, which is Ash Tucker, she got into it. She loved it, and uh, but that was a pretty intense, intense time there at that old cemetery. And uh, then, then another time, aggressive behavior. Uh, I got run out. Me and a group. It was me and my son and two other researchers. Uh, we went into an area that. I was just there to check the area out. The guy wanted me to go down and say, hey, come check this area out. So uh, I went down and checked the area out. One time we were followed, and then uh, I went down again, and he said, you want to spend the night down in here? We had a base camp set up, but he wanted to stay the night in in deep. And I said, you know, i got my 12-year-old son with me. I'm not really prepared for this. But I was thinking, okay, well, let's give him a real good introduction if they're here they'll come and uh i did have some honey and uh some sterno it's a deer scent and so i started burning the honey i uh, put it in the can set it up on the sterno on my little rack started burning the honey and then i put just about a full bottle of deer scent out and uh it wasn't long the sun the sun was going down 
they went down and got pitch black, couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And from the east, you could hear these calls. And there was four of them, four calls. And all of a sudden I hear, we had camp chairs down there. And I could hear the camp chairs zipping around. Somebody's moving their butt real fast. They were real nervous, I could tell. Mm-hmm. And then uh, like my son, he was sitting behind me, and I could hear his breathing starting to get heavier and faster. So I knew he was getting scared. And all of a sudden, I hear this branch break. It wasn't a big branch, but it stepped on this branch. And the other guy that was there, he said, I'm going to turn my spotlight on. I'm going to turn my spotlight on. I said, no. I told him, I said, do not turn your spotlight on. Don't turn it on. And he didn't. And it would it, it would have been crazy if he did. Yeah. It was bad enough. Uh, but I guess 10 minutes went by. And then this roar came from, I guess it would be the northwest behind us. This roar, it was the loudest strongest thing I've ever heard. It was louder than a lion's roar. Uh, I guess I'd describe it like old King Kong in the movies and the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Oh, wow. Combined together? It it shook you. And I'm sitting there thinking. Like I said, I'm trying to analyze situations and analyze things. I'm going, okay, aggressive, aggressive. Yes, very aggressive. And I said, you know what? We need to go. Right now, we need to go. And uh, so we took off, and it looked like a UFO a flying saucer moving through the through the trees because of the spotlights. Every spotlight was on as we were making our way. And uh, we, was, we was going in. Unfortunately, I stepped in a hole, oh, man. and I sprained my ankle. My ankle bit broke before. It's real weak. But when I stepped in this hole, it was like somebody pulled the ground out from under me, and I went down. Bam! And I look up, and the guy on point, he has a shotgun there, and he's looking around, and he comes back to help me up, and all of a sudden I look, and I see my son. He's pointing. He's going, are you hearing this? Are you hearing this? And I I really pay attention now, and I'm hearing something coming through through the woods sapling's been broke over it just trashing things small trees and stuff so we get up and we i limp and follow the line and we managed to make it out without any any incidents uh back to the boat it was it was a pretty good boat ride in so uh but we we made it out and i knew as soon as we turn around this curve in the river that uh it was going to come off off the bank and get in the water, but nothing ever happened like that. Wow. But uh, that was that was pretty aggressive. Yeah, and, that sounds scary. Like it was. Yeah, scary. Chasing you guys out. Yep, we were escorted out of the area, and I I told them the next day. Well, I got a got on the phone as soon as we got back to the, the base camp area, and I called my wife. I said, "You're not going to believe what's down here." And I said, there is an effing T-Rex living in these woods. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it sounded like it was tearing through the woods and roaring like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's got to be nerve-wracking. 
that's there's another another report out of the area. A guy got chased out of the area, and it chased him. Two of them chased him. There's a younger one, adolescent, and an adult, and uh, they chased this guy. He was up in the uh, a stand, a climbing a self climbing stand. Mm-hmm. He was deer hunting, and said he thought he heard some hogs coming up. And you know, he's getting ready. He's going to shoot, and he heard this brush and everything going on. And then he heard what sounded like a something just getting pummeled, uh, something getting hit, beat on. And he's sitting there. And he got his bow, and all of a sudden, this one branch that went down below him was kind of covering him. He seen a hand come up and push this branch to the side and look up at it. Oh, oh yeah, and. Uh, anyway, needless to say, he was scooting up the tree as far as he could go. <laughs> so he, you know, he, this guy said, there, oh, I'm going to see a deer. Well, no, he sees this huge air covered, uh, Bigfoot look up at him. Well, he's, he's up there in the stand and it's starting to get dark. So he says, I got to come down out of this stand, you know, so he slowly works his way back down out of the tree with his stand and he gets to the bottom. He had a carabiner on the side they had hooked up to him, mm-hmm. and he unscrewed this carabiner, and it slipped, and it hit the stand. He goes, bing! He said, and that was all it took. He said, they were on him, and uh, they chased him over two miles out of this area. Oh, wow. He said, it was making this moaning sound, chasing him. It wasn't roaring, it was a moaning sound, and he said... Uh, it would go, and the smaller one would stay off the side of the trail and get ahead of him, run and get ahead of him, stop, while the bigger one was pushing him out. And uh, he said, you know, he stopped. He was so tired. He stopped, and he turned around, and he put the light in its face, his flashlight, and, you know, shine the light on him. And said the thing through it, shine the light in this thing's eyes, and it held its hands up to, to cover the light mm-hmm. and it said he was so tired. He just yelled at it. And he said, if you're going to kill me, go ahead and kill me. This is just said, I can't do this anymore. And he turned the, the flashlight off of it. said, and it roared and the chase was on again. Well, they, uh, there were several hunters that hunted down there together mm-hmm. in different locations. And they happened to have radios, uh, walkie talkies. Yeah. Well, he called ahead. He said, there is something on me. I am coming, and I want you to meet me at the trail on the river. And so he he goes ahead and runs, and this thing, both of them are still chasing him. And uh, he just bails over the edge of this uh, this little bank of the river. Mm-hmm. And he lands in the boat. They were right there at the end of the trail. He lands in the boat. And uh, this thing stopped him, uh, or stopped chasing him as soon as he made it in the boat. And, but as they was going around, making their way, they heard something huge get in the water. A splash! It could have been a log getting thrown or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that was that was a pretty... The guy right now has a huge white spot of hair on the side of his head. Wow. Uh, and that, that didn't come in until after that encounter. And I mean, uh, Could you imagine that? I mean, I didn't know it was at night, and then... You saying it was at night? That makes it even more scarier. Mm-hmm. I just uh, and this guy hunts down there all the time, and 
I, I actually kind of questioned, didn't question the report. But what I did do is I, he went back down there again and was hunting. Even after they, he went and got his stand. And uh, he actually went back down there and hunted again and seen it again. Uh, he said he was up in his tree stand and it come pushing trees, small trees to the side. And it walked right right by his stand, but he never had an encounter with it. Uh, oh, he didn't see him this time? No, he did not see him or smell him. So, But I'd imagine that uh, I would have hunted a little higher in the trees after that first encounter. Uh, I would have been up at least 20 feet, at least 20 feet. And that that's like us. After we, we got run out, I told him, I said, I said I'm not going to be down here researching on the ground not after that i said we're, we got to get up in the trees and we built this big big research stand there you could sleep six people in it and we was 20 feet up in the trees wow yeah so it's like a- there, was, there was a lot of learned a lot we was there i believe six maybe seven years at this location and i did not research anywhere else but there uh you know and that's I used to chase reports. I'd hear, you know, oh, there's a report. I gotta go see. I gotta go see it. Yeah. Well, I gotta go see what happened. And there's a lot of people that still do that, which is, which is good. It just adds to the database and gives more for people to feed off of. Right. But I wasn't learning anything more because all of the descriptions were coming back the same. You know, it come in, it got my garbage can, or, or did this or did that. And so I wanted this place where I could learn something and uh i did i learned quite a bit down there especially on uh the there was actually two groups in that area but uh they never went into each other's territory they would they would stay away from each other you wouldn't you wouldn't find this set of tracks from one side of this lake area river on the other side and you could walk around the lake to get to the other side uh but they were they were separate from each other. They're like two different clans. Uh huh. But uh, <clears throat> you know where I had my first sighting. I I had another sighting there in uh, two thousand, and it was about the same time of year. It may have been October. Uh, but I was leaving my mom's house my aunt had come to visit my mom and i was over there visiting and it was about 10 and i lived behind my mom i don't know about an eighth of a mile away so on the same property not even an eighth of a mile but uh i'd come out the front door and went around the end of her house and she has this sodium lamp paper light outside real bright light outdoor light uh a light pole and my brother's little dog was at her house and the little dog was following me. And I hear this sound. It's like a swooshing sound. Swoosh, whoosh. And I knew what it was. And I'm sitting there going, I've got to see this. So I work my way around the cedar tree and get on the other side. And this little dog's following me. My brother's little dog's following me. So all of a sudden, here it comes down the fence line under this vapor light, this outdoor light so loud or not loud but just as plain as day and uh i'm looking at it and it was so cool 
have to see it where you were totally relaxed, not scared. It was just just like walk, watching a, a cow at a distance. Mm-hmm. You know, just another just another animal. I wasn't scared at all. And I'm watching it, and it stops. And I'm sitting there thinking, and it looks to its left, and then it looks to its right, and then it takes off, and it goes to this kind of angles away from me. And that was the coolest sighting I'd ever had. No fear. It was all just, it was just right there to see. And I loved it. It was awesome. And the little dog never barked once at it. Didn't smart bark dog. At yeah, smart dog. Exactly. But uh, it was, it was an amazing, amazing sighting. Yeah, that's It like wasn't nothing perfect. to be scared of. It was just like, all right, I, this is so cool. I kind of felt like Jane Goodall, you know. Yeah, that's, that's a cool uh, sighting, you know. Anybody would love that one, you know, where there's no hostility or, you know, he's kind of just doing his thing and you just watch him. He doesn't notice you. And it, you right. Know, and uh, it was just, just in, the, in this area, if anybody was to drive down this road where it took place at, they would say, no way. There's no way Bigfoot could live here. But I beg, I would beg to differ with them. Uh, right across the, the road is a 50-acre lake. There's deer, wild boar, berries, uh, all kinds of fruits, wild fruits uh, that are there. And uh, they have a perfect place. And they've been there for years, 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 and years. Uh, my mom, she had to, de- she, she lived there and she had to deal with them. Uh, she would go to bed at night, all her doors would be locked. And then the next day she would get up and her back door would be open. Ooh. Yeah, it would be open. And I'm sitting there going, now I'd close it and grab it, I'd lock it and pull on it, nothing. It was locked. Well, come to find out that if you put enough force on it, the door would bow and it would open. Oh. And yeah, they would, uh, they throw rocks at her house and uh, uh, there was a lot of strange stuff that went on there at at her house. It wasn't just uh, Bigfoot related, but uh, just it's like uh, high strangeness. Well, you're on the random show, and that's what we're all about. Everything. <laughs> Everything. Everything. Well, there was plenty that went on there. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of uh, different things in the sky, um, and she would have lights. There would be lights, bright, super white lights that would just poof, pop on and shine into her windows at night. Oh. Uh, from outside and uh, she would tell me this and she said she'd see little orbs floating around in her house different lights floating around in her house I'm going okay you know at first I kind of raised my eyebrow not for the white light outside because trust me I've seen that too up close and too personal Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know I said okay so I spent the night oh my gosh she was right (laughs) <laughs> balls of light floating around huh little balls of light and just pops and and you just felt something was there and uh i've i've seen it, heard it 
and uh, Bigfoot, they would come up to the house uh, when I was there, and they would hit the house so hard it would knock, uh, basically knock uh, paintings off the wall. Wow, like slap the house? Slap the house and knock the paintings off. They hit it hard, uh, so hard one time they knocked the cabinet in the kitchen off the wall. Oh, yeah, that's got to take some force. Yeah, knock, I've had them do it at uh, uh, my own house uh, when I lived over in Golden, Texas. Uh, one come up, and the paint on the outside was oxidized, and it hit the house so hard it left the hair impressions off its arm on the house. You could see it in the oxidation. Oh. Uh, yeah, that that's. And they're just uh, you know when I when I first started researching, I was firmly in the apes. You know, I said no, they're apes. They have to be have to be apes and. Uh, I wrote a lot of different things. I documented everything I found. You know, uh, Bigfoot behavioral patterns, what I'd observed. Uh, and, it, and then over the years, you see things that, uh, that happen, and, and you can, it makes you question, you know, are they really an ape? Right. I don't think any chimpanzees are very smart. But... Uh, they leave little twigs and branches on logs on trails, just telling the rest of the troop which direction they were headed. But uh, these guys are very smart. I set up one time. I had a, a buddy. He said, "I got some little little doggy squeaky toys. I'm going to send you. Do something with those." And some of them had these really bulgy eyes that stick out. And so what I did, I set them up in this one area next to my house, mm-hmm. not very far, probably about 70 feet away along a fence line. I set them up in a tree, set them on the ground, and I said, okay. And I numbered them and had numbers on them. And I'd written the numbers down on paper. And the next day I went out there, all the ones with bulging eyes, that looked like they were looking at you mm-hmm. were turned face down. They were all turned face down. And this just didn't happen on one occasion. And it's like, okay, we don't want to be seen. And it's like these bulgy eyes on these squeaky toys bothered them. I've heard that somewhere a while, a long time ago. And I thought that was kind of weird that they would say mm-hmm. that. So for you to say that now made me think, well, maybe there is something to it. And, uh, but when, you know, and I was watching a, a show, I don't remember which show it was, it was a documentary, and they were talking about how once you've seen one, and they know, and the Sasquatch know you've seen them, it's almost like you're connected in some way, not in a, a strange mental way. But it's almost like they want, they'll follow you. They will follow you and they will find out where you live. Because when I moved from uh, the old place up by Greenville down to uh, Golden, I thought I was done. There would be no, no more encounters with Sasquatch. Guess what? I'm barbecuing chicken. 
November, nighttime, you know, got my little headlamp on, cooking my chicken, sitting down by the grill, and all of a sudden, a rock lands right next to me. Oh, man. Yep. And I'm like, hey, no way. No way. And that's when I was in this syllabic uh, study. So I turned and walked over to this old dog kennel I had by the fence, and I broke some branches, and I held them up and towards the area I thought the rock came from. And I made this symbol on top of the dog kennel and walked away and went back to cooking my chicken. And I went up there the next day. All the branches were repositioned on this symbol that I had made. I said, well, they're here. And I got recordings of them walking up to them and uh, stuff like that. If you'd like, I can send you some of them. Man, I would love that. Yeah, uh, where they're walking and then uh, some vocalizations. Uh, really, my wife, one night, had uh, would let our dogs out in the backyard. Well, she opened the, she had let them out, and so she went to go get them back in, and she opened the door, and she said, come on, guys. And as soon as she finished saying that, you hear this really gruff, deep, I don't know, something, saying something, but it's so it's deeper than what my voice can get. Uh, but I got a lot of different vocalizations and in here footsteps, so on and so forth. And uh, I'll send them to you, and Ooh. that way you can use them if you want. Uh, but it was pretty, pretty cool. Wow! And so you think it was maybe trying to mimic her, or or maybe? No, I think it was pissed. <laughs> to be honest with you, I think it was mad because it wanted the dogs to go in. I I don't know. I think. It, my wife just may have disturbed disturbed him because she talks pretty loud. Oh, okay. And she goes, come on, guys. Yeah, it's real high-pitched. Real high-pitched, and I think it just kind of unnerved him. And then I've got I'll, – I'll send you one sound. Hopefully, you have good headphones. I'm sure you do. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's what I think is speech. And it's almost like a chant – not a chant, but – Got an up and down speech pattern that's going on, and I'll send that to you, and you can tell me what you think. Okay. Uh, you can you can play it and whatever, but I, like I said, I've got different different uh, photos I've taken, and uh, I can send a few of those to you too, and tell me what you think. And one of them come from the area down when we had the research stand. Uh, we just pulled in in the boat, and there's kind of an embankment there. You got to park your boat and then go over this embankment. Uh, and then we had two dogs with us. Well, the dog jumped out of the boat as soon as we hit shore. Jumped out of the boat. Over the embankment they went. Then my son gets out and he goes over the embankment. Well, about 20 seconds later, the dogs come running back and they bail over this embankment back into the boat. And then a little longer here comes my son. He almost falls down and he grabs a tree. There's one over there. There's one over there. Scared him, so he comes running back. And I said, well, let's go. So we all get out of the boat, and we take off, and we're following the trail. And I got my camera, and I'm just taking random photographs, you know, as I'm walking down the trail. Well, four years later, I'm looking at one photograph I took, and I look at this tree, and I say, what is that? So, and 
this was a 35 millimeter uh, photograph. So I scan the photograph in and I blow it up. There's a baby grabbing onto the side of a tree about 12 feet up. Oh, wow. And it's not perfectly clear because I had to blow it up. Yeah, you're pixelated. You, you, yeah, it's pixelated, but you can see it. It's got its hands hanging on the tree and its little foot up on the side of the tree. And it's leaning around the tree looking. And you can see the eye shine from the flash. Uh, and it was 12 foot up in the tree and we walked right by it and have no idea where the mother was. Oh, but the mother probably had a good idea where you were. Oh, yeah. And uh, luckily for us, we've been going down there quite a This was probably three years into us going into the area, so uh, they knew who we were. We, we, At the time, we was taking food down there, which I wouldn't do anymore. But uh, uh, we was taking cantaloupes and watermelons. We was taking uh, uh, mineral blocks down there and... We had the mineral blocks tied up into a rope hanging on a tree. Put them out. Next day you go down, it was gone. It was gone from hanging on the tree. They, they love that. They love the salt more than the, than the fruit. Oh, wow, I bet. Yep. Well, because it probably has more of uh, nutrients that they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that, and bamboo. This is, they would let you know if you did something wrong. And we pulled in, and we wanted to get the boat off the main river. So we went up this little inlet, pulled up next to a bamboo stand. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we started cutting a trail through this bamboo with our machetes. Mm -hmm. And we made it to the main trail. And the next day, we went back to the trail, and there was a, a branch, not a branch, it was a small sapling that was shoved in the trees above the trail that we had cut, put it across it. Uh, and it was like, okay, well, they don't want us doing that anymore. Welcome to find out. They eat the bamboo down there. We found areas where they just totally decimated this bamboo. They would tear strips off, and they would eat it and get the juice out then they would spit uh the woody parts out yeah just get the juice just get the juice that's all they did uh pretty cool unfortunately we found that on the day we was leaving and uh, i couldn't document it as well as i as i normally would <clears throat> but okay. you know there were there were so many different things that happened there and and I just, I just wish I could go back down there and I've, I've, I've offered, I've, I know the place and I'd like to find a group of, a good group of researchers that'd be willing to go in there and I will give them the location. Well, but, uh, that sounds like a good plan. Yeah. And, uh, I've, I've talked to several people, uh, but you know, under the condition that you keep it under wraps, uh, you'll learn a lot about down there especially about uh the family units that they have babies you know they'll carry their babies down there and uh the babies only stay so far away from them uh it's 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 pretty cool though they'd come up and throw branches at us while we were up in the stand which it 
sit there and say, okay, they're here. They'd introduce by throwing branches or making sounds under the stand. But we never were attacked after that. Never were attacked in there anyway, but, you know, besides the roar, uh, kind of gave them, gave them respect. Right. Now, there was, there was, we gathered a report down there that there was a guy, and I believe the story, he said he found a skeleton in there that wasn't human, but he said, I didn't want anything to do with it, and left it lay. Oh, wow. So, Yes, that's what I said. But the area is so dense and so thick, and it would take, you would have to, I don't know if you could even begin to find it where it was at. Uh, this this area, is, it's, it's on the Sulphur River, I'll say that. It's on the Sulphur, and it's so thick, and I think it's probably one of their last strongholds in that area as far as, you know, a big area of, of, of woods that hasn't been disturbed. It's old growth forest in there. It hasn't been cut, ever cut, so. Wow, so did you ever get to see that or you just heard about it? What's that? The, ske the skeleton. No, I never seen it. I never seen it. Oh, wow, did but, he didn't take any pictures or anything? He nope. just, he just no, went. this guy was hunting when he seen it. He just saw uh, that and said, no, thank you. Just Yep, he didn't want anything to do with it, so he just kind of backed away and said, nope. And, uh, of course, this guy spent a lot of time down in there, but uh, there, there's other stories that that uh, people are, have talked about seeing them. There's a guy down there who's driving his Jeep, and he ran a sapling through the radiator. Oh, no. He had, yeah, he had to stay the night. And uh, he was he was surrounded the whole night. He was there. So he got up and he said, "I got to get some kind of water and put in this radiator. Maybe they'll stay." And he went to get water and he was getting water and he heard something. Turned and looked and there was one leaning out behind a tree. So he looked down at this little twenty-two pistol and he said, "You know what?" I don't think I'm going to use this today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said that was it. It turned and walked away. And uh, but then you had then you have a lot of other stories that were scary about the uh, hunters down there that got uh, had killed two hogs. He said he was bleeding them out on the embankment of this little swampy area, and he heard something coming well it was two two bigfoot that chased him back out into this water they grabbed his two hogs and took off oh wow then a, yeah then a squirrel hunter he, he was uh followed out of the area and when he was found he was still holding on to a squirrel he'd shot he said and the, the squirrel was basically flat the guy was squeezing it so hard he only had a 20 gauge shotgun <laughs> and he had guy was terrified uh, understandable and and then around where I had uh, my first encounter at there was a sighting where a man was run off the road uh, said he was coming around a bend I think it was 50, 20 
have been seen. And I'm going to video, video the area and I'm going to talk about the report on the video and uh, give more detail about what happened. And uh, it's going to be called uh, Sasquatch. They were here. Uh, but I thought it'd be a nice way to get to travel around and and uh, yeah. That's, are you gonna do it on YouTube or are you gonna have a website or? No, it's it's gonna be YouTube videos. That's what it's gonna Sweet. be. Sweet. Yeah, man. Uh, do you have a link already? I mean, like a, a channel already? You can drop no, that. No, not and... yet. Not yet. But uh, I'm editing. I'm editing the first video now. I'm. I'm, I'm an. I'm my own worst critic. I like things to look just right. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when editing something, and so yes. I'm editing the video right now. And uh, but I'll let you know. Uh, I'll send a post out when the, the first video comes out. But uh, it's it's gonna be a blast. It's gonna be a blast. Yeah, man, uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and I just I want you know there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of things I've done in, in my research and and a lot of stuff that people don't know about that I've done and uh, but it's my own opinion it's not scientific fact but it's coming from a guy who's been out in the woods has hunted and fished all his life backpacked uh, even done some mountain climbing back in the day uh, repelled all, 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 all that and uh, but it's just coming from my own experiences and my own opinion of what I've seen and heard and uh is it based in scientific fact? Some of it is, and some of it's not. But uh, let everybody draw their own conclusions. That sounds great. Yeah, it's it's like some of it's like territorial territorial food source aggression. A lot of people don't realize how aggressive they can get if you happen just so happen to wander to where they're feeding, to where they're eating. They're very territorial about about uh, their food sources. Yeah, you could be viewed as competition. Exactly, and some of those on on the videos that we're making, that's going to be about some of that. I've got uh, three food source regression uh, reports, and one of them was was where a woman was picking blackberries. This is in the late fifties. Uh, this is outside, this is in Wood County, Texas, and she's picking blackberries, and she has her baby with her, mm -hmm. and the group that was with her was up on the road, this is on Highway 17 between Grand Saline and Alba, Texas, uh, but this is before the concrete bridges were in, it was the wood bridges, and she was down there getting blackberries, or dewberries, and all of a sudden she looks up and she sees her friends going, run, run! Well, she turns on around and looks, and there's this Bigfoot charging her out of the dewberry patch. Oh, man. And she, believe it or not, her husband said she, he, uh, that her friends told him they'd never seen a woman carrying a baby clear of four-strand barbed wire fence before. And she did, with a baby in her hands. It's survival. Uh, that It's survival time right there yep. and then. And so that's... Uh, you know, it's, it's stories like that. There's an, another one that took place not too far. <coughs> the same typical thing. It was uh, in a Dewberry patch. I've had it happen uh, to me. 
on a trip into Oklahoma years and years and years ago. Uh, we went into this one area and there was there was a nice little plum patch. And so we said, hmm, didn't look good. We sat there and picked every ripe plum off of this little thicket and ate them. Didn't have a second thought about it. Later on that night, the Bigfoot that was in that area, he had second thoughts about it. <laughs> and and he let us know. I mean, he come out with this. Uh, he started up with this this build up this sound it just kept building it was like I didn't even that's not even close but it's kind of like that it was a lot deeper uh, but it just built up and built up and built up it was letting us know and we went over there and uh, there was evidence around the plum thicket it had been right there so yeah very territorial over their food sources but uh yeah, because, I mean, the difference would be, you know, they take what they need, and, and us humans, we'll just grab up all of what we can carry, you know. That's right. <laughs> and they're That's probably just like, y'all took all the good stuff, man. Yeah, now we got to eat these old bitter plums. What are yeah, you talking about? man, that's not cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. But there's, there's a lot of different things that have taken I've, I've written a lot too I'm writing a book right now also of, awesome. uh, pretty much uh, everything that I've seen and but uh, I don't know when that one's going to be out I thought it was going to be out last October nope didn't happen so well just take your time and you'll get a good quality product out oh yeah definitely and that's what I want I just you know what I, I just want to share what I I've seen and what I've heard and what I think I've learned and people can do do with it what they will you know and uh, so like one time I did a, a study I compared the, uh, the the food sources that are available to uh, western lowland gorillas to the food sources that are come that the Sasquatch have available to them here well then I, I checked out all the calories that the fruits for the Western Lowland Gorilla eats and what's available here, they're basically identical. The diet that's available for uh, uh, the Bigfoot in this area is basically the same as the diet that's available for the Western Lowland Gorillas. Uh, pretty much the same thing. Except here, especially in Texas, you have the wild, uh, the wild boar, the pigs, and that. Uh, talking about uh, a food source uh well and you're starting to have there's been a lot more sightings of uh, mountain lions oh yeah well that the mountain lions actually have more babies they'll breed more if there's uh more of a if there's a, a bigger food source available for them to eat mm -hmm. and so they'll have more babies uh so is it possible that the same thing's happening with Sasquatch. You have a bigger food source available, and maybe they'll have more young ones too. You know, it's it's hard to say. Totally different species, but our animal will only get as big as its environment lets it. You know, 
reproduce as much as it's so like you're saying if the food sources are there and their safety and you know um you know they're gonna have more babies they're gonna be good eating Mm -hmm. around um and, and they're probably more like close to us humans you know where we only have one baby at a time or sometimes we have twins or Stuff like that, so I doubt yeah. they they probably don't have a litter, you know. <laughs> no, no, I don't think they have a litter. I, I do know that they have. If one of the young ones that we had tracked before, well, more than once, its weight was the mus- muscle density of a younger one, or any of them, but. I would stand next to this young young one's track, and its track wasn't eight inches long, and I couldn't impress my foot into the ground as far as that young one did. It went further than I did, and at the time I weighed about 225, 230. So, you know, with the muscle density, it's it's amazing. Yeah. You know, you see them twist. I've seen them, haven't seen them, but I've seen branches that they've twisted. And uh, I remember one time we was out in an area and somebody walked up and said, I just don't believe that. I think humans can twist those branches just like that. And I just so happened to be standing by a Mexican plum tree. And I said, well, why don't you grab a hold of that tree branch right there and try and twist it? And I don't remember the guy's name. He grabbed it, he's sitting there straining, trying to grab it and grab it. I said, hey, one another guy grab the same limb and both of you guys trying to push that branch. And two of them grab it. And I believe at the end there was three guys trying to twist this branch. They couldn't twist it. But on the same tree, there was a branch that was twisted. So, you know, it wasn't mechanical. I've got lots of different photographs of tree branches that's been twisted and broke and uh, bent over. And, and some of them were done for uh, up in the area at Cooper Lake on the one lady's property we were investigating. Uh, there were quite a few wild plum trees there. And this was not the only area that I've seen this happen, but they were breaking these plum trees over. The ones that were over 25 feet tall, they would break these trees over. But the thing about it is the way they broke the trees over, they would continue growing the branches growing off the main trunk of the tree continued growing after it was pushed over, but they were growing at a lower level, which made them easier uh, to get the fruit from. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing, you know, and yeah. not only in this area, but in other areas too. You I think that's why they twist them so the fruits will grow, grow lower to the ground? Yeah, these are on trees that were broken over. And you're talking about people, a lot of people say, well, they're directional markers. And some, I believe some of them are directional markers, but it's the, it's the fruit trees that has been broken over. The, wow. uh, mainly the, the plums, but they start growing back up at a lower level. Yeah, so they're like manipulating, kind of like mm-hmm. a farmer would, you know? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's exactly what they were doing. And people would, I tell people this, and they say, you are so crazy. Well, you go into an active area, and then find the Mexican plum trees 
and tell me what's going on there. If you find any broken over, uh, but they always broke it over to where part of the the, the bark, the cambium would be remain in the same spot, which would feed the, the top side of the tree that was facing the sun. Wow. That makes me think, you know how people always say that they migrate and stuff? I think if they're doing something like that, they may be staying a little longer. I mean, they probably do still migrate, but they'll stay in a spot a little longer if the food sources are good, maybe. You know, like you're saying, they're manipulating the, the growth of these uh, uh, trees to get fruit. And, you know, why would you do that if you weren't staying? Exactly. And, and uh, that's my thoughts too. A lot of I'm glad you said that. Really, really glad you said that about migration because I don't believe they migrate very. If they do, it's not very far uh, because I think they'll pick out an area that has enough uh, food sources available that it would last year round. And I, I do know this that they will. After all the vegetative food sources have uh, diminished, they start looking for meat, and lots of it. Uh, small cattle, pigs, deer, uh, anything available like that, they'll start. And it's it's pretty amazing, though. So they don't have to really travel very far. They have fish, you know, wild birds, turtles. Yeah, you wouldn't need to. <laughs> I have, there's a... The honey locust tree has a lot of seed pods, and they'll actually break these branches down, twist the branches to get to the seed pods on these honey locust trees. And they would just strip it, eat it, and they didn't even eat the leaves. I found the evidence of them uh, browsing on these branches, on these tree leaves. River came, the tops of them, the very tops pulled off. And then, uh, like I said, I have, I have everything documented and that, that I found. I've, I've written it all down. And that's a long time and a lot of writing. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, uh, I mean, I think it's great that you're going to do, that you're doing a book and you're going to do uh, videos, you know, because that kind of mm -hmm. helps you get that info out there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it helps people say, you know what, I've had something like that happen out here, or or I've heard of something like that, you know? Yeah, and it, it's, you know, it's funny, I've been talking to somebody, might be, you know, out at, at a conference somewhere, and they go, you know what, I've seen that before, the same thing, I've heard that same thing, and never, never, you know, think about it. It was like me in 1983. Before I even had my first sighting, I was hunting around Lake of the Pines. I had no no clue that there was Bigfoot anywhere around that area, or in Texas for that matter. Yeah, I know that. So me and my, me and my brothers were hunting down there, and I picked this one spot and put my stand up in it, and said, "Okay, deer tracks everywhere, everywhere." So I go out there in the morning. I guess I got up in the stand about four. I'm sitting there and I'm a little, a little seat, you know, kind of chilly. It's October. And all of a sudden I hear the tree go. 
boom. I said, hmm, a shallow rooted cypress tree just fell over. That's exactly what I thought, verbatim what I said in my mind. And I'm sitting there, and another one goes over, closer. I'm saying, okay, the first tree fell on another tree and pushed it over. But when the third one fell over, that's when I said, this isn't right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one is, you know, cool, and then the second one is kind of coincidence, and the third one, you're like, all right, what's but, going on? Yeah, I had no clue. And I just stayed there, and nothing ever happened. But believe me, I never seen any deer either, and I should have. Uh, but and it wasn't until years after that, when I was in, in areas, you know, researching, I'd have trees pushed over. Uh, real close. I know one time I was going down a trail and a tree went over. Boom! Well, three people said, oh, we gotta go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I said, no, 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 no. We're not out here to run. We're out here to learn. And I take off to where the tree got pushed over. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, they all thought I was crazy. And I said, nope, we're not gonna learn anything if we run away all the time. Right. And I, did, I didn't feel really threatened. They were just letting us know it was there. But, uh, but in, in the same area I hunt, now I hunt four, about maybe two, maybe four miles from where that tree was pushed over. Now, a group of us goes up to this area and hunts, and it's inevitable. In the mornings, when you get up and you're getting ready to go out into the woods to go to your stand, a tree gets pushed over. It is inevitable. And I'll be looking at my son, he'll look at me, and he'll say, Dad, now you know the trees do fall over in the woods. I said, but not every time. Not every time we come out here. And we, you'll be sitting there, and you'll hear it off in the distance. Yeah. Yeah. Hear moving through the area. And, and as a matter of fact, the one time we found an abandoned camp down there. Tent was still up. Chairs were still there. Baby diaper is still there. Nobody in the camp. Nobody. Just abandoned. And this is a, a lot. Not far from where we got run out of the woods at one time. I know my son, he shot a wild a wild pig there. And I had my little flashlight, you know, it was pretty bright. It's all good. And he shoots just this hog with his bow. And... Didn't make a real good shot. He said, okay, let's track it, Dad. I said, okay. So we take off, and we're wandering back in the woods, and we get to a spot where we find the hog. The hog went dead. It took off, went into the thick stuff, and my light starts going dead. So, and it's pitch black dark. And I told him, I said, this hog is going to have to stay in, the, in that thick stuff. So we can come back out here tomorrow, but I'm not staying here tonight. And the light kept getting dimmer, and my son, we made it back to camp, and my son told me, he said, I've never seen anybody walk that fast, especially your age, at night, out of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> you can I do said, I'm not going to stuck in here. I know what's in these woods. Yeah, you can do some amazing things when you're a little frightened. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, I don't get scared. Well, I, I don't get scared. I get real uneasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's understandable. You know, I, I know I've seen what they can do and, uh, to a tree or to a calf, to a deer. 
and it's not it's not nice and you know when you hear all these stories of people being killed by them it's like i don't want to i don't want to see that i don't i don't want to hear that story but you know it's just it's it's a chance you take whenever you go out into the woods and you're going to do research it's a chance you take me i have a way i research i've always researched this way i don't get up in the dark and i don't take off traipsing through the woods in the dark with a flashlight or whatever i just don't do it i've never had any luck that way you're out there making them nervous uh making the bigfoot nervous and they're having to move around and avoid you and this and that i don't go sit in camp without a fire no lights and they'll come right up to me yeah they're curious they want to know what you're doing uh plus i don't have to take chances on getting snake bit and you know but a lot of people and this is what gets me this is this is this is one of can i cuss on here yeah well this is one of my main my main bitches okay about the uh, field of research nowadays not everybody does it but uh you know if, if you want to learn something run a cold camp don't run a fire go into your research area and set don't go out there making whoops and calls and running around the woods because you're just making them nervous. You know, you're just making the Sasquatch nervous and uh, you're not going to get anything about their, their true behavior of how they act and what they do. Uh, but I, and that's one of my main things. And sorry if I make people mad, but uh, that's, that's just one of my main things that I, I think people should change up. And I think you, they'd actually learn a lot more. And I'd be willing to take them into some areas if they want to follow me. And we'll set in a cold camp and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've had some good luck with the cold camps and the, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And they'll, they'll get curious. They're like, what is this crazy person doing just sitting in the dark? Exactly. Exactly. Is they okay? Maybe I should go help them out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and, you, and you never know. And, you know, people don't, people don't understand that. And, and, you know, it's cool. But I will say this, finding Bigfoot helped get the word out about them being in North America, about them existing. They got the word out there. They made Bigfoot popular. But what they didn't do is, what they did do is they, they created the, uh, of course, they wouldn't have the show if they sat in a cold camp, but uh, <laughs> now everybody's researching that way, the way they did it. And, and it just, to me, I, I've never had any luck with that. Set tight and they'll come to you. They're curious that way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's us. Because I hope I didn't make too many people mad, but that's just how I feel. It's my own opinion. But, uh, then there's some that I know one man uh, that gets out there, goes by himself and goes way off deep by himself. And he's gone for a week at a time. And he's had some pretty amazing encounters. Uh, things thrown at him like animals, coyotes, etc. Dead coyotes. Coyotes uh, thrown at him? Yeah. I've seen the photographs of it. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, this was. This was in a, it happened in an area where I used to research. Uh, but he 
knows how to live off the land. He'll eat. He knows what to eat. So, uh, and those those are the kind of people that that are going to learn something. But you got you just have to have the time to invest. I mean, I have to go to work, so I I be a weekend warrior. Uh, I hear you on I've, that one. Yeah, I've been I've been out you know for three weeks at a time, uh, but not very often. You can learn a lot more if you if they get used to you. You know, they'll come around you, but. I'm not telling anybody anything new. You know, I, I used to think that I was ahead of the curve years ago, but now everybody has knows what I knew or knows what I know and then some. <laughs> right, right. But I, I had to back away from research for, uh, I started a new business, so family and work come first. So I kind of had to back out. Back, back away from research for a while, and but now I just want to tell people what what I've learned and uh, let them read what I've I've seen and heard and smelled and touched. <laughs> You're crazy. I've been called crazy. There'd be a big old pile of scat, big huge pile of scat. I said, okay, give me a bag. I, I, I remember one. I got laughed at. But I had, there was a stick, and I grabbed the stick, and I poked into this pile of scat, and what did I do? I raised it up, and I put it to my nose to smell it, and I started shaking. It, it smelled that bad. Literally, I shook from the smell, uh, and I got laughed at, of course, but I've always been that way, and I used to make uh, students that was in my... Uh, or science class. I'd make them so mad because I always got into my, to what I was doing. Like if there was deer scat or rabbit scat, I'd pick it up and squish it and say, oh, well, it's this old, uh, so on and so forth. People said, you're just showing off. No, that's just who I am. I want to know. Well, you I, would be able to tell the contents, whether it was a predator or, or a plant eater, you know? Exactly. And I, and, but because I was that way, I'm, I'm I was able to, you know, I wasn't squeamish about anything. Never, never have been. And still to this day, people say, well, why, why would you do that? Well, because I wanted to know. I, I, it, even if I'm going down a, a dirt road and there's coyote scat there, I'll still poke through it and see what it's been eating. You know, if it's been eating grasshoppers or uh, different vegeta- veget- different vegetation and uh it's just something I do and always have. And I know when I got into research, I said, you know, I want to learn everything about this area that I can. So I bought books on entomology, zoology, biology. Uh, I had a full library in my house and had one room dedicated to my research. And uh, one wall was nothing but books. But it wasn't, it, there weren't any Bigfoot books there. I to this day, I have never read a book on Bigfoot. Hmm. I haven't read a book. Because I told myself, I said, if I'm going to learn anything about them, I want to do it on my own terms. I don't want anybody else's ideas in my head. Right. You know, so I never read any books during my earlier years, and I still haven't to this day. The things I learned is come, were the same things that people had talked about in those books from what people have said. You know, somebody's talking, well, what about John Green's book? This one or whichever book. I said, well, yeah, I've heard that, seen that, you know, 
A lot of people never thought tree twists and tree breaks were Bigfoot related. Oh, that's weather. And I've got, there's people out there to this day that say, no, that's weather related. That's snowfall or, or something. Well, but, some of it could be. I mean, yeah, or yeah, yeah, it is. You don't want to be under the impression that every single branch or tree bend or whatever, you know, but. I have seen some crazy stuff because I kind of wasn't into the any of the tree stuff, but mm-hmm. I went. This guy took me to this one spot up in uh, hill country, and uh, every single little the sapling or the small trees were all twisted, and they weren't broken, but they were all twisted. Mm-hmm. Every single one, and I was kind of like, "Wow!" <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly. That's, that's right. That's what, when I first started seeing them, I, I followed a trail of bones into one area. I was, I was walking, this is in the fall and all the leaves are on the ground. Uh, and I seen something white. So I walked up to it as a bone. So I started and I looked, oh, I don't know, probably. 30 yards away, there was another bone. There was a trail of bones. And I kept following this trail of bones. And it led me to a, a trail in the tree line. And then I followed this trail, and then it started to open up into this little meadow. And right before you got in, there was this tree, the sapling, that had been bent completely over. It wasn't broke. It was bent in a like a tight U-shape like a bobby pin oh wow and i walked into this little open meadow and oh my gosh there was dead deer there was dead calves there was dead hogs body parts everywhere okay. some still had the flesh flesh on them oh you were and in I'm a the, feeding area yeah and you know my first thought was okay this was this has to be a mountain an area for mountain lions but then I didn't find any tracks. I didn't find Bigfoot tracks, but I didn't find any mountain lion tracks. I didn't find any hair, but nothing but a bunch of dead carcasses, a bunch of animal carcasses. And then come to find out, like the calves, for instance, the calves were ripped open. The fleshy part, like the legs and the back legs, the, the butt area, all that was intact. The only thing missing out of that calf was the liver and the heart. Mm. All the stomach contents had been taken up and set out. And I'd seen that before uh, from a lady who I was friends with was Mary Green. She found the calf the same way. It was tore open. The stomach was torpid. The entrails were taken out. And then the, the liver and the heart was missing. All the soft body parts, the inside organs, were missing. And I said, okay. Then there was another one I'd found across the street from where I had my first encounter by that lake. There was another calf that I'd found over there. It was the same way, except this calf was floating in a creek. The property owner at the time gave us, we had permission to go fish that lake. It was a wonderful bass fishing lake. My brother used to go over there with, with me all the time, all the time. And, uh, I went over to his house and said, hey, let's go across the street and catch some fish. 
And he said, nah, I don't, nah, I don't feel like it today. Okay, that's cool. So I go over and fish and uh, come back, show them what I caught, so on and so forth. And I said, well, maybe we can go back over there. We can go over next weekend. Nah, I got something to do. He never went back to the lake again. And I finally asked him, I said, Carl, why, why aren't you going, why haven't you gone back over that lake and went fishing with, with me? And uh, he told me, he says, I've seen something over there that I don't know. And I said, well, tell me what you saw. And he told me he was crappie fishing on the creek up on the north end of the lake. He said he was making his way uh, through these small saplings, and he come up to the edge of the creek. He come through the trees, had his fishing pole in his hand, and he made his open the trees up. And on the other side of this creek was this dark colored Bigfoot. He said, and there was this these branches were all leaned up around the tree. He said, it looked like a little house or a little lean-to. He said, it rushed me. He said, it never crossed the creek. He said, it had a branch in his hand, its hands, and it was going up and down, beating the ground. And he said, it sounded like a howler monkey. Wow. Down to the ground. And it said, he just kind of put his head down and backed out of the area. And uh, he said, if you want to have something, check your constitution. He said, you see that. He said, that will check your constitution. I'm sitting there going, <laughs> Holy cow. I said, so that's why you haven't been going over there? She said, nope. She said, wow. <laughs> so he had a pretty bad, it, that scared him. It would have scared me too. You know, yeah. just come rushing all of a sudden there's this Bigfoot standing there pounding the ground rushing you. Uh, and he was just 14 feet away because that's how wide that creek was. About 14 feet wide. And uh, that scared him real bad. And, uh, things would happen around his house because he lived right next door to my mom and you know it would I did an experiment one night on the took my son I had a well I'll, I'll finish the story about what he he would go outside he'd be outside at night time he'd have to go to the bathroom mm -hmm. said one night he was out there on the other side of his truck and he was going, taking a tinkle, I guess, whatever you want to call it. And <laughs> all of a sudden he sees a shadow from a light behind his house. He sees this huge shadow come up behind him. He said he never turned around to look. He just turned right and went around and went back in the house. Uh, they hung out there. They would hang out. At the very corner of my property, there was a wood pile, and then there was a, a bogart tree, Osage orange tree, that grew real close to this wood pile. They would go down there and break branches off of this bogart tree. Mm -hmm. and you, that's probably the hardest wood you, you can imagine. Uh, they would break the branches off and stand down there, and you could hear them uh, making all kinds of noise. Yeah, that would be and, loud. And, and I know we would be, my brother, he'd clean up the property and he'd have a big pile of wood and he'd say, why don't you get the kids and everybody can come over here and 
we'll have us a bonfire and roast hot dogs and eat s'mores and stuff. Okay, we'll do that. So, well, I get out there and we start to fire and I look back towards the wood pile. You see these two red eyes looking right at us. Mm. And I'm sitting there. Okay. And all of a sudden you hear a whistle. Then you hear another whistle come probably, I don't know, 150 yards away from the first whistle. So there's two of them there communicating back and forth. And you're watching the eye shine. And they just watch you. Uh, they were always there. They've been there since uh, 1984 and probably before that to this day. And uh, that's a long time. Yeah. It's a very long time. And it's, 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 that's why I said that if the food sources are there, I don't think they're going to migrate, at least not too far. Right. <laughs> Let me tell you this. I want to tell you a story. Okay. It was my son. There was a, at the end of this lake, there's a, where the, the creek runs, there's an old iron grate bridge there. It's just welded iron grate. And we was riding around this little mule, me and my son and his two friends. I had a thermal image, imaging unit that one of my buddies had, had loaned me. So I got it. I, we was spinning around. I told Luke, I said, let's go over to the bridge. And so we go over to the bridge and I get this thermal unit and I'm looking towards the lake down the creek bottom and there's water in the creek and I'm looking. And so I made a little call. I can't remember what it was. And I'm looking all of a sudden from behind the tree. You see this white thing leaning out from the side of the tree looking. Then it goes back in. So I told my son's buddy, I said, hey, come here, I'll show you something. He said, Mr. Gross, I've heard all these stories that you've been telling and stuff. I said, yeah. I said, well, here, come here. So I turned it on. All of a sudden, this Bigfoot leans out from behind the tree and looks. I know he was probably 60 yards away from us. Oh, wow. And this kid, he comes unglued. Mr. Gross, we need to get out of here right now. We got to go. We need to go right now, right now. <laughs> I looked at him, I said, listen, I said, it's doing the same thing we're doing. I said, it's looking at us and we're looking at it. It's not going to hurt you. <clears throat> and that poor kid, well, believe it or not, he's a researcher now. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah, he he's, checks out all kinds of uh, reports and stuff, and he's, he does pretty good at it. Then, then uh, oh gosh, there's so many stories and in tales that, that I've heard here, here, I'll tell you one. Uh, and it's not big for related, but it does come from out there by my mom's place. Okay. I was at the time we were living in, uh, Roy city. Well, I get a phone call about, I guess it's one, about one o'clock in the morning. And my mom is frantic. She says, I don't know what's going on. The ground is shaking. The house is shaking. Everything's shaking. I told her, I said, well, mom, it's probably just, just an earthquake going through there. And I had never had an earthquake, felt an earthquake out there. So I told her, I said, it had stopped. And I said, well, I'll be up tomorrow and check things out. 
Well, I get out there and I start looking around. I didn't see anything damaged, you know. And I was walking the property and I found three impressions in the ground. They weren't Bigfoot tracks either. They were semicircles about probably from one end of the half of the circle to the other half was about three feet long, four inches wide, and about three inches deep. And they were in a triangle pattern, 75 feet apart, and they were facing each other in a triangle pattern. Whoa. And I said, oh my gosh. And instantly I knew what, I knew what happened. I, I knew what it was. And I asked my brother, I said, Brother, didn't you feel a little ground shake or anything? Nope, didn't you feel anything? I said, well, something done touched down out here in your yard. And, uh, but I never, I never seen it. And, but I've seen a lot of weird lights out there in the sky coming over. I, I, I had an, a sighting of a UFO in 1978. Oh yeah? Oh yeah. And it was me and four of my other friends and we was out this is outside of tucson arizona it was up on a mountain called a mountain you can look it up and i guess it was ah shoot it was probably one in the morning we was all up on top of a mountain not very big, tall mountain at all and we were sitting up there talking under this little gondola thing they had up there we were talking and so we said, ah, well, it's getting late. I said, my dad's going to kill me for being late. Mm -hmm. So we jump in my friend's car. She goes, well, why don't you drive? I said, okay. It's a 19, 1976 Plymouth Duster. And red, I remember the color and everything. So I pull out, and we have to go down this little incline to a T in the road. Then over the T is this deep ravine. Well, I come to a stop. Before I turned left, we all looked down in this ravine, and there's just light down there. And we said, "Whoa, that's a must be search and rescue. Somebody must have went over and crashed down there." A little sooner than we said that, this light goes that quick. It come up and it stopped. I I can't tell how far away it was, and we was looking at it, and then all of a sudden this light. It was the brightest light I'd ever seen at the time. It just come out of this thing and it lit the car up, totally lit the car up and the, the ground around it. It was just super, super blue, white color. And, uh, I, I leaned over and I look up and I, I couldn't really see anything, but then I, I could make out these little circles around the edges of it. And then kind of a shape. <sighs> And then I said, all right. And then I turned and looked, or I turned my head, and then it just went, Psh! and when the light went off, I could kind of see what it was. But anyway, I turned to look at the girl sitting next to me. She's hitting me as hard as she can on my shoulder. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. <laughs> she had a face full of tears. Her mascara was running down her face. Now tell me, tell me this. In three seconds, maybe four seconds, how can you have a 
face full of mascara, tears running down your face and screaming and terrified. The, the people in the back, it was me, the girl that was hitting me, her sister was in the passenger seat. The other girl was in the middle. Another, my other friend was in the back. He was curled up in the fetal position and he's going, they really did it. They pushed the button. They really did it. And the other two were just sitting there kind of in a, a dazed look. And we drive back home and everything. And uh, we all went to the same school. Matter of fact, we was all in the choir together. We go to walk into the choir room and there was a substitute teacher there. This guy had that yellow skin, just, I don't know, just kind of a weird looking guy. Well, he looks at us as soon as we walk into the choir room and he says, did you guys see the lights in the mountains last night? Holy crap. Oh, wow. We didn't say a word to this dude. Why did this guy ask us if we'd seen the lights in the sky? <laughs> That's now, that was weird. And, uh, he was there that day. We never seen him again. That's crazy. Yeah, that was, then uh, I've seen him, but that one was, I drew a picture of that one. Uh, then I got, uh, I've seen at my brother's house, We'd all sit outside. They were, there were so many lights in the sky there. When I'd go out and visit, first thing we'd do after we eat dinner, we went outside. We just gonna watch the skies. So one night we were sitting there, and then to the east, coming down the fence road, there was this pink light. If you have a pinky nail, it was about the size of a pinky nail, and it was coming over the trees. And then it come across. My mom's house, we're looking at it go across my mom's house. The other side of the road, when it got to the other side of the road, to the tree line, it started going zigzagging up and down. Crazy. And then we looked at each other. Do you see that? Do you see that? And uh, that was just, then there'd be flashes of light you'd see. Uh, You'd be standing out at night in the middle of the field and there'd be this flash of light. And there wouldn't be a thunderstorm anywhere close by. Uh, a lot of strange stuff went on out there at that property. Yeah. And still does from what I hear. It's amazing. And I've taken other people out there. And this was, uh, there were several of us with us. One night we went down east, no, north of where I had my, side, my first sighting at, north of my mom's property, on my brother's property. And we go down this road and we're there and I have a, a bionic ear and we're listening. And all of a sudden from the woods, you can hear, no, don't shoot us. Don't shoot us. No, don't shoot. Don't shoot. Oh, and it's in a pitch black woods. You hear these words in English and everybody heard it. Everybody could hear this going on. Uh, yeah, there was, there was some high strangers going on out there. And, Sounds like and, it. And here, here's one for you. And this was, uh, this happened two times on this main road. Uh, a neighbor lady was coming home from taking her dad to the hospital. And uh, her 
brother was in the back seat and her dad was in the passenger seat she was driving she said she coming down the road all of a sudden she sees something black in the road but it was flat she's just almost like a wet spot in the road said she got up to it and it come up off the ground and she said this thing went to the side of the car and basically followed them almost to their house until they turned onto the road to go to their house. She said it had green eyes, looked like it had a beak. Oh, man. And it just kind of hovered and floated. Uh, it stayed right next to the car, and then disappeared. My wife seen the same thing, except at a little further distance. Uh, come home from work one night, uh, same shadowy whatever. Like I said, that was a weird place out there. Yeah, it sounds like you got a lot of weird stuff going on out there. And, and you said it's still going on to this day? Yep, yep, going on to this day. There was a, another sighting. My, my, uh, one night, my brother and his wife, they were laying in bed, and all of a sudden this, there was a pop, and a bright light shined through the window. And my brother said, oh, the dad gum cat's gotten the wiring under the house again. So uh -oh. my sister-in-law gets up out of bed and goes outside to the front porch. She looks, notices some light, and she looks to her right, and over the pond they have, there's this craft, white, white light all around it, hovering right above the pond. And she said it just started taking off real slow. It went across the road and kept going. Is this so, a spaceship? <laughs> so that's that whole area out there is just full of mystery and and. Wow. And yeah. You, uh, anybody that was into UFOs, they'd have a field day. Bigfoot, you'd have a field day. Ghost. My mom had ghosts in her house. Uh, my my brother and one of my brothers and his wife moved away from the property because everybody's going to move on to the same property and uh they moved away because uh at night they had a mobile home set up down there the mobile home would shake would rock and uh they got tired of it and my sister-in-law she said that uh, this place is cursed this place is cursed we are leaving. And they did. They moved. Wow, they weren't messing around. They weren't messing around. They moved away and, and never went back. They only went back to visit a little, just a few times. What do you think was shaking that the mobile home? I mean, was it a constant shake or was it a... No, it was just every now and then it would shake. Okay, because... And somebody else, after they left, somebody else moved a, a mobile home down there. Mm -hmm. You know what happened? It was a metal siding, you know, siding on it. Mm -hmm. The part that faced my mom's property, a quarter of the metal siding was ripped off. Wow, like something was trying to get in? Yep. And I'll, I'll tell you why. I did a little research on because if you read, there's a lot of reports that say mobile homes, you know, people uh, will have then hit mobile homes or try and get inside, so on and so forth. Well, mobile homes smell like ants. They produce
produce the same smell. It's the formaldehyde that they use in the mobile homes. Ants produce the same odor. So I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, maybe they think there's a lot of ants and they're trying to get inside. Or they just want to run the people off the property. Now, do, bear, <laughs> do bears eat ants? Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, ate ants before. Actually, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, that just makes me wonder if also a bear would do that, rip mm-hmm. rip somebody's sighting up. Oh, sure. But there haven't been any bear sightings in that area for years and years and years. Wow. So. So it could be something else. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, mobile home rocking, uh, I've heard that before. Um and I've also experienced it uh, where I stayed out in the Sam Houston area, and it was so cold. And I asked Bob Garrett if I could borrow his uh, mobile home, and he's like, yeah. So he brought it over there, and he jokingly said, I hope they don't come shaking the the, the mobile home in the middle of the night. And I was like, hey, man, don't freak me out. Don't be saying weird stuff because he loves... <laughs> He loves to mess with me and, and, and play jokes on me. And uh, wouldn't you know about 3 o'clock in the morning, I heard something moving the chains around in the front of the mobile home, and then well, the trailer started rocking back and forth. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, so that I know for a fact. Me. Yeah, I, I remember I was in a, I stayed at my, uh, in a little travel trailer at one of my buddy's houses, he was, uh, he said, we didn't stay out there. And he had a lot of, he lived right next to the cemetery. So he had a lot of ghost activity in that house. Oh. And so I said, okay, I'll go out and get in the, it was just yearly trailer is what it was. So I go ahead and crawl in the bed and I leave my right foot out of the covers. And then, you know, I'm laying on my back, right foot's up. All of a sudden, something slaps the bottom of my foot. Ooh. And I jump up and I look, and there ain't nobody there. Oh, no. Nobody was there. Time and, to go. And I figured there was this little girl, because uh, she, she's kind of around his, his place, too. And I just kind of leaned up and I said, could you please stop? I'm trying to go to sleep. I never had nothing else happen that night. Not with the ghost. But I'm sitting there. He's got Bigfoot up on his property, too. And uh, I'm sitting there. I'm asleep. And I wake up, you know, kind of groggy. And I'm hearing this. Something running its hand. Or something's running something on top of this travel trailer. Sounds like a hand going over this travel trailer oh, on the man. top. I said, oh, good, Ghost and Bigfoot tonight. And that's just so cool. <laughs> yeah, that was that was something. I went right to sleep after that happened. And, and then, oh, my gosh, there's, his, there's a lot of stories off his property, but I, I can't tell them because it's his property and his stories. Yeah, I understand. There's, there's a lot of stuff that went on out there. Uh, it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, it but, sounds like it. Yeah, it's, it's... I know we went up there, 
to these people who can, or let me say, I'm, I used to not be the lead people saying, well, I can kind of talk to spirits and do this and that. I said, hmm. So this one lady come up there and she didn't know anything about the little girl ghost that had been up in there. It, it bothers people runs up around the house and stuff. You hear footsteps. And, uh, there was just, uh, my buddy, he knows this little girl's name, but the lady that went up there didn't know her name and the cemetery's right there. And so we, she pulls up, she said, I want to go to the cemetery. I said, okay. And so she go opens the gate, walks through, she walks directly to this little girl's gravesite and says, and she says, this is the little girl that's, that's, uh, in, in the house and running around. And she didn't even know the girl's name. That's the first time she ever been on that property. <clears throat> and from that day, I've been a believer. Wow. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And, so have you ever seen a ghost? Uh, no, I've never seen a ghost. Have I felt a ghost? Yep. That one that slapped my foot. And then, uh, it, my dad, I, I, I felt my dad's presence. Oh. And matter of fact, I smelled his cologne. That he oh, used to wow. Wear. And, uh, to say I broke down and cried a lot. It affected me that much. But, uh, uh, I understand. But it, it was, I've never, never seen one, never seen an alien. I've seen a ship, seen Bigfoot, heard Bigfoot. Uh, but no, no ghost. No, I've seen the, light, the lights that work for ghosts. I guess you could consider that. But yeah. Heard, heard, uh, Heard speech. I've heard Bigfoot speaking. That's, and I mean this. I, I was went to Arkansas, and there was, I believe there was five of us. Was there five researchers? And we were in a spot. And we said, "Okay, let's run out here and just park in the suburban and listen for a while." We're parked out there, and all of a sudden, no, we're not parked. We park, and then we get out. And we're out by the by the suburban, and we all of a sudden we hear voices coming from the woods, and it, it's dark, and there and there's nobody else around. This is this is bar. This is on a deer lease, and we're hearing voices, no lights, no nothing, but these voices were in a totally different language that I've ever heard, and it was two male voices. And a female, and it wasn't like my voice talking to you. It was deeper and just really, really different language. But it's it's something I've I've, I've never heard before. Oh wow! So you understand the the language, but you heard the mer, because I've heard it where it just sounded like. Some recordings of and some of the subs 
recordings of uh, language, and some has the Sierra sounds. Mm-hmm. I had never heard that before. I've never heard of the Sierra sound type voices speaking before, but I, I've heard this real fast, real fast speaking sound. But I couldn't, and I've got it recorded too. And uh, I was like, "Now oh, that was weird. I never heard that." Yeah, that is weird. That yeah, that was one of the weirdest, weirdest things I've uh, I've heard. Let me let me do something here. Maybe you can hear this. I'm gonna try it anyway. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm down. All right. Let me, let me get the file opened up on, on my computer and see if I can pull this sound up. Which one is it? Not that one, not that one. All right. Let me see if I can get this close where you can maybe hear it. Could you hear that? Yeah. That's one of the recordings that I got uh, next to my house. And it sounds, I know it sounds a lot better than what it does come through the phone. But that's one of them I'll send to you. Cool. And uh, it's a, it was like a scream. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds pretty freaky. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I said, "Damn, what is that?" <laughs> <laughs> and I would sit for hours and and go over my recordings, and it was because I got footsteps and oh, here's this one. Let me see if you can hear this. This is that one I was telling you about my wife coming to the back to work, getting the dogs in. Mm-hmm. You hear, come on, guys, and then the sound starts. Okay. Could you hear that? Yeah. Kind of. It's a real deep, guttural, pissed off sound. Yeah. Doesn't sound happy. Mm-mm. No, but I've got, like I said, I've got a lot of different recordings and footsteps and then uh, I've got drawings and of what I've seen and uh, I got all kinds of stuff and it accumulates over years and years and years yeah. of research, you know. And it's amazing that you know where it is. <laughs> oh, it's all on file. I have everything on file. All organized? Yeah, all organized. Yeah, I wish I would have been a little more organized with my stuff. Yeah, it's it's like this here. Uh, I found many. This is something that. Just a, I'll read a little bit of this, if you don't mind. Oh, go ahead. It says, I found many species of plants are being ingested by them, including honey locusts, seed pods, and river cane. 
but are they using these plants for medicinal purposes or for nutrition? I guess one could say for both. Uh, the browsing on honey locust seed pods seemed to be an annual occurrence. The property where these seed, the property where these seed pods were being eaten, was frequented by them for over thirty years. The person living there was constantly having things come up missing on their property, or the back door would be open sometime in the early morning hours. Nothing was ever taken from inside the home; just the door would be open. Uh, this is where I had my first sighting in 1984. That's just a little of the stuff that I documented, and, and that was about the seed, the honey locust seed pods in the mom's place. But uh, yeah, it sounds like you're looking at it from a scientific point of view, where you're not, you know, you're trying to understand their behavior and the reason why they do certain things. That's that's and that was my main goal, and. Uh, I never ventured. I've seen weird stuff. I've heard weird stuff, and uh, but I never connected them to Bigfoot, uh, like the UFO sightings. I don't. I don't connect that. I don't think they're, they had anything to do with each other, uh, or the ghost. Uh, you know, who, and people say, "Well, I've seen, you know, Bigfoot uh, and UFOs in close proximity to one another." Well, maybe the Bigfoot was as curious as you are about what you're seeing yeah and they want to see too you know uh, yeah they but, could be checking out ufos or curious about you know ghosts or strange lights yep you know there's just you know if i seen a ghost i i would uh i don't know <laughs> Yeah, you won't know until it happens. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, I have a lot of stuff written. Now, this is comes from 05 here. This is 15 years ago. Oh, wow. Well, you said you've been at it for a while. Yeah, I have. And it's, this one's first expedition into Jurassic Park. <laughs> That's what we called that area, was Jurassic Park. Now, is it because it was just... It was old growth forest. Nothing had been cut down there. They're swampy and uh, looked like there shouldn't be dinosaurs walking down there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was it was an awesome place. And I just... That guy wrote the time down. We arrived to the area. And, oh, here's something. Here's, here's something you might want to... You want to hear. Okay. I'll, I'll read it. Uh, after much anticipation, we took our first expedition into what I will call Jurassic Park. We arrived at the area at 7.15 a.m. We backed the truck down to the boat ramp and stopped. Northwest of our position, a long call came from the swamps. I can only describe it as such. Uh, it was a monotone sound, not varying in tone from start to finish. Uh, the time was 7.25 a.m. We'd only been in the area for 10 minutes and I was hearing vocalizations. Uh, considering we were the only ones in the area, I can speculate that it was announcing our arrival to any others that were in the area. We finished loading the boat and put into the water. So, I mean, it was almost instantaneous that we were hearing stuff yeah. in that area. 
That's pretty interesting, yeah. And I think they do do that, where they announce your arrival. Uh -huh. But also, uh, anybody who's been out in the woods a long time, if you pay attention, uh, when something changes in the woods, the woods react. I mean, you'll hear the crows, the crows will start crowing and the squirrels will start barking and <laughs> yeah you're exactly right it, it's like i used to tell people i said well your dog knows when you're coming home mm -hmm. <laughs> you know or they, they can hear your vehicle and uh, they're waiting outside i used to could uh tell which neighbor tell which neighbors were coming by the sound of their vehicle sound of their vehicle you know and i'm sure all my neighbors know when i'm coming <laughs> I wanted to be a full-time Bigfoot researcher, but I never could find anybody that couldn't get a grant for it anywhere. So that would be cool, though. Shoot, yeah. Be out in the woods I, all the time. You know, you know, one of my. I, I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. It had Anthony Hopkins in it. It's where he went off and 